Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. And the next seven batters reach. Deep drive to right. This ball's got a chance. Gone. Three-run homer, Alfonso Rivas. Cubs lead nine to nothing. Listen to this crowd. Welcome back to Chicago. He went down, made the team out of spring, got sent down and called up just a day ago. And he hits a long home run to right, gets a little cutter, and the Cubs have put up an eight spot here in the second inning. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, David Hall, Bruce Levine here for another hour talking baseball as we do 52 Saturday mornings every year. And I think that was Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer talking about Alfonso Rivas, who has been a nice little surprise, Bruce, in the early going here. Sweet swinging left handed hitter. And I think he's a guy that, uh, in a very small sample size, let's not get too carried away with 17 at bats, but Bruce looks like the kind of contact guy, looks like the kind of maybe uh, good, solid, reliable hitter that the Cubs are looking to uh, kind of change the complexion of their batting order. What do you think? Well, look, uh, you know, this type of player, and we're hoping to, uh, we are efforting to get uh, Rivas on with us right now. This type of player has certainly uh, been um, missed, uh, you know, by uh, by a lot of uh, player, by a lot of teams, and by a lot of uh, scouts of these days because of the fact that he doesn't have power. Okay, so you think back to one of the maybe two of the greatest players in Cub history that played first base, and one of them was named Phil Cavaretta. He played. 20 years at first base from the Cubs from 1935 through 1954. And the other was Mark Grace, okay, who played from 87 until uh, 2000. And uh, they were, you know, MVP-type players. Cabaretta was the MVP in 1945 when they won the pennant. Grace had the most hits by any player in the 1990s. Uh, But would Mark Grace, a... uh, 27th round draft choice, would he have made it to the major leagues now, okay, knowing that this was the launch angle time? Would he be Rivas? Would he be that guy right now uh, that would be struggling to make a team because there was no slug, there was no launch angle, he wasn't being able to be looked at the same way that a great player like Grace or Cavaretta were? Well, 
I, I think it's a fair question. I, I hesitate, and I know you're not doing this, but when we talk about 17 at bats and Alfonso Rivas, you know, being a surprise, I, I do not want to make the next leap into comparing him to the kind of caliber of of Cub legend that you just described. You know, I, I think that. Well, it, my, that's fair- not my point, David. My, my, you know, to, to interrupt you, and excuse me for doing it, to interrupt right. you. The point is, would Mark Grace of this era, 27th round pick, be able to have uh, matriculated through Major League Baseball knowing that he wasn't going to slug? Would he have been advanced? Would he have been in the same situation? That's, that's a good question, and I think we know the answer because of the way that you know, hitters like that are rewarded and typically evaluated, and I think that is – a fairer way to compare and hey let's ask uh, the, the man in question himself and we'll go to our guest hotline presented by circa resort and casino in las vegas home of the world's largest sports book and that is where we find alfonso rivas the cubs first baseman good morning alfonso how are you this morning hey guys how you guys doing we're doing well thanks for checking in thanks for getting up tough night last night in milwaukee for the cubs you had two hits yeah. you have had some quality at bats we were talking, Alfonso, just on how the style of hitter that you are and what you represent in today's kind of Major League Baseball in the era of the launch angle, how you kind of reconcile that reality with your strengths and what baseball evaluators are looking for and how you've been able to come up through the Major Leagues. How difficult has it been? You know, it's um, you know it's been difficult for sure. You know, um, you know a lot of people kind of hammer that down the launch angle. You know, hit the ball in the air, uh, becoming a power hitter, especially being at first base. Um, but you know, the the type of hitter that I am right now, you know, controlling the strike zone, you know, approach base, you know, not really taking a pitch off, all that stuff. You know, that's just kind of how who I've always been. You know, throughout college. Um, you know, that was something that the head coach there, Jay Johnson, he he really hammered down on us. And, you know, I just kind of believed in it. And, um, you know, I've just, I've, I just have always noticed that, you know, when I'm on my best, you know, that's the type of hitter that I am. So I just have tried to stay disciplined with that, with that plan and that approach. Our guest uh, is Alfonso um, Rivas of the Chicago Cubs and inside the clubhouse. And, Alfonso, um, Taylor McGregor of the Marquee Sports Network did a nice interview with you yesterday, and and uh, I wonder if you'd relate, uh, you know, some of those things you talked about about uh, being staying ready as a part-time player, uh, not playing full-time, and also having uh, gone up and back between the minor leagues already again this year, and, and uh, you know maybe one of your teammates last year in Matt Duffy that uh, you you kind of uh, caught a little bit of. How to stay prepared not while not playing every day? Yeah, yeah, he, um, you know, he helped me a lot. You know, as soon as, um, you know, that was just kind of what the role was going to be um, last year, and um, so he came up to me and just kind of gave me some pointers on, you know, how to treat my my early work and you know BP and stuff like that to really lock it in mentally uh, for that pinch hit at bat. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just something that really stuck to me. And, you know, with, with how things are going this year, you know, um, you know, staying mentally ready is just the only way to, you know, re- really just make the most out of the opportunities. And, um, you know, it's, it's been going well so far. 
It was January 2020, Alfonso. You were part of the A's organization. They drafted you in the fourth round out of Arizona, and you get news that the Cubs had traded for you. Tony Kemp was the guy going the other way, and in return you came to this organization. I just wonder if you could take us back. Your reaction to getting the news that the A's had traded you to the Cubs and and how you – uh, viewed that in terms of an opportunity? Was it something you had to get past? What was your uh, state of mind once you got traded? Um, yeah, yeah. I was, um, you know, it was during the off season. Um, I was actually working out that day, um, you know, and after my workout, I saw my phone, had a bunch of missed calls, you know, text messages, all this stuff. I had no idea what was going on. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I got a text message saying, you know, you've been traded. Um, you know, give us a call. And, you know, the conversation kind of went that way. Um, and But at first, yeah, I was, you know, it was a lot of mixed feelings. You know, you, you're like, why did I just get traded? Um, but then talking to some people, they, they were like, you know, it's always a good, a good thing, you know, especially getting traded straight up for a big leaguer. Um, and yeah, it just opened up a lot of opportunities. And as soon as I turned that page of, you know, why did I get traded to, you know, this is going to be good, you know, new opportunity, new team, you know, just kind of, you know, I was coming off a good season, good fall league. So it's like, you know, just ride the wave and, and, you know, let's just get back to work with a new organization. Alfonso, how, how much fun is it to, to be playing with a lot of guys there's not a lot of superstars. There's some really good players on the Chicago Cubs. There's some outstanding players. There's some all-star players. But there's also guys uh, over this last uh, two months of the end of last year and the beginning of this year that are getting their, their opportunities for the first time to be big league players, big league starters, including you know the Schwindels and the Wisdoms and uh, the people like that, as well as you you know who are a little younger and still have uh, – you know, your your whole career in front of you. What what has that been like as far as the camaraderie among the group and uh, how has this team uh, kind of melded together as far as, you know, maybe a lot of first opportunities for the group? Um, yeah, I think it's been great. I think, um, you know, the chemistry between, you know, all the guys, um, you know, has been awesome. I think everybody has the same goal of getting better every day, winning every single day, uh, coming prepared. And uh, I think that mentality, um, you know, has really shaped us into, you know, it helped us as a group, you know, to get along with each other, you know, to be on the same page. Um, so it, it's been great. Yeah, it's been great, you know, seeing guys with a lot of experience here. You know, it's awesome to learn from them. Um, but also guys that, you know, are on the same boat as, as me, you know, you know, just coming up, you know, trying to learn how everything works. And, uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when we cross those lines, you know, it's the same goal, you know, we're fighting for each other and, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, the chemistry and the team has been great. Alfonso, I really got a kick out of reading more about your background and how you came up and grew up and. (laughs) And, and it came across a couple stories about your, your upbringing. And I have to ask you about this because it is so fascinating. When your mom went into labor with you, you were living in Tijuana. They, they drove across uh, and were in San Diego, wanted to be born there. And then you, you grew up. And I just wondered in terms of when you look at your past and everything that you have overcome, 
How does it inform your present? And how does it inform how much you appreciate being a Major League Baseball player? And you, you take that into work when you go into the clubhouse every single day. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny you bring that up because, you know, every time I talk to my mom, you know, she, she'll she'll kind of think back and, you know, um, you know, bring stuff like that up. And, you know, it's like, you know, you're just so great, you know, so blessed. And, um, yeah, yeah, I had a very unique uh, upbringing for sure. And, you know, look at, looking at it now, um, you know, I am very grateful and blessed. Um, you know, not many people, you know, came up the way I did. And now looking at where I'm at now, um, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty surreal. And, um, you know, it makes me appreciate every day, every game, you know, every opportunity I get to hop on the bus and go to a major league park, um, you know, it's, it's it's just just a total blessing for sure. And, um, you know, I think it, it, you know, it's really indescribable, you know, and uh, how everything's kind of shaped up. Before we let you go, I want to know uh, impactfully, uh, what coaches or David Ross uh, do you spend the most time talking to? And uh, what what, is, what has that been all about as far as the, the cub way of playing baseball and some of the things that you've learned in this organization that may, maybe wasn't uh, quite the same in Oakland. Um, you know, with Oakland was great, you know, um, you know, it was my first organization that, uh, that, um, you know, I got drafted by, so, you know, it kind of gave me the first taste of pro ball and over there, I met some great, great coaches, um, you know, Juan Navarrete with, um, you know, he was the infield coordinator, you know, mm-hmm. he really, you know, made me kind of understand and, you know, defense and what I need to do to get ready, you know, for games and, and how discipline and all of this stuff that, you know, in college I never really thought of. And then now coming over to to um, to the Cubs um, and now being here in the big leagues, you know, the, you know, the hitting guys here are, you know, are great, you know, Brownie. Um, Juan Cabreja and uh, and Jay Wash, um, you know they've been great. You know, communicating, you know, kind of listening to what you have to say, um, helping you make adjustments. You know, make you feel good because at the end of the day, that's kind of what you know everybody wants to feel when we go out on the line. Um, and yeah, you know, there's you know there's just a bunch of great coaches you know that i've had throughout my career that you know kind of shaped me the way that i am now and um you know i'm just super grateful for you know running into them and having the coaching staff that we do have now here in chicago i found so quickly before we let you go so the cubs are struggling a little bit lately but you are in a clubhouse full of guys that like yourself trying to prove themselves whether they're on shorter contracts or just prospects getting an opportunity how would you describe overall the mood in the clubhouse, the mindset of this team in this season that is still undefined? Um, you know, the mindset is solid. You know, uh, you know nothing has changed. Um, you know, we are still, you know, showing up every single day, ready to win. Um, we we're preparing ourselves uh, to the best of our abilities. And, uh, you know, nothing's changed at all. You know, we're, we're still excited. You know, we're, 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 still, we're still ready to go. And, um, you know, just take it a game at a time. Thank you so much for your time. Best of luck this season. Enjoy Chicago uh, for many years to come, hopefully, Alfonso. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you, guys.
Alfonso Rivas, Bruce, the first baseman, left-handed hitting first baseman for the Chicago Cubs, 25, but still a prospect, and in very small sample size this season has looked very polished at the plate. Uh, he is and, and a good defender, a robust he's, you know, 471. He's yeah, he's the next Ted Williams, but you know, in reality, <laughs> if you look at his career, he's always he's never hit below 285 anywhere, and uh, he's going to hit. The question is, and again, we started the interview before he came on talking about can a player like this be an everyday player anymore? And I, I guess I'll challenge you by saying, uh, you know, the, you know, the guys like Hasmer, who's with uh, San Diego right now, was talked about, you know, possibly being traded to the Cubs. Not a not a big home run hitter, but can a player like this, who is going to hit 300 and is going to play great defense? Can he be looked at as an by an organization as a starting player any longer? I, I think Bruce, that's a really essential question, and a lot of lot of organizations like the Cubs look at guys like Rivas and ask that. But I think it's it's, it's incumbent upon the prospect then to maybe play more than one position. You know, maybe play a corner outfield spot. Make yourself more versatile a la Andrew Vaughn. Not that he would be limited either way. This is almost out of right. necessity. But you see the versatility, the super utility trend. Even guys like Chris Bryant, you know, former MVPs who are needing to play different roles so they can fit in different spots in the batting order or the daily lineup or just make themselves more useful. Yeah, it, in this case, being a left-handed uh, player, you're limited. So you, you can play the corner spots. He doesn't have the speed to play center. But you're right. He can be uh, that, and he, he has done that. But, it, you know, again, I think this type of player, David, over the next three to five years will be looked at uh, with given more respect and looked at as a possible starter again, depending on the organization's philosophy and depending on what uh, type of uh, pop is around him. But, uh, you know, it, it's just changed so much, you know, from the, you know, even Will Clark, who, who was a uh, OPS guy, he wasn't a big home run hitter, okay? Right. He, he played that position for a long time. He was an all-star. Uh, can, can this guy, you know, if he, hits, if he hits 40 doubles every year and he hits 300, uh, you know, again, the question is, will baseball slowly get back to this player being an essential player to win? Because you can't minimize defense. We talk about it all the time when it's not there. We rarely talk about it when it is there. And, and the fact that this guy is a good player that was probably more um, built for another era, can he hang around long enough to be an essential player again and a starter in the big leagues? And the last note on Rivas, you always need somebody in your corner, and Dan Kantrovitz is the executive that was with the A's when they drafted him in the fourth round, came to the Cubs, and was there when they traded for Rivas in the, in the Tony Kemp deal in the January 2020 trade I alluded to during the interview. So those opportunities are more likely to come if you have somebody who understands the path you have taken to get there and is willing to keep that door wide open so you can step through it. So good, fine young hitter. Let's hope that he succeeds because he's off to a blazing start. And that is opposite to some of the White Sox prospects. And that is a segue into what we will talk about next, Bruce. We will do some dare I say, lazy analysis on the White Sox injury situation. Hopefully it won't be lazy, but it will be analysis. Inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. 
On the ground to third, Luisa Rise. Just got Aloy, who falls behind first base. Aloy is down behind first, and he is hurt. That's a hamstring. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, David Hall, Bruce Levine. That was Jason Benetti and Steve Stone talking about the injury to Aloy Jimenez, which will knock him out for the next six to eight weeks by the Sox's estimate, Bruce. Hamstring surgery, uh, it's more complicated than that, but the bottom line is Aloy will miss a lot of time. And uh, one of those unfortunate injuries that comes a year after he had an unfortunate injury. Yeah, you know, and uh, we're going to play some sound from Rick Hahn talking about uh, how it's been received and reported. I don't think they were too happy about it, but the reality of how you look at it, David, how do you, how do you look at this injury and do you, do you compare the two or is well, one a misfortune and the other is just, uh, I, is this a player who tries to do too much within the within the uh, abilities of his uh, athleticism. I respect where Rick Hahn is coming from, and I respect Rick Hahn. But when I look at this, the situation, I, I'm not trying to spin this to favor the White Sox or to make it look like it's not as bad as it seems. The biggest availability, I'm sorry, the biggest ability in pro sports, it's a cliche, is, is availability. And coming into the season, Aloy Jimenez had played in 232 of a possible 384 major league game since coming up in 2019 that's 60% this year if he returns let's say after the all-star break which is I think given his past realistic and he plays full-time the remaining 70 games or so you're looking at probably 81 games 50% this year so after four seasons Bruce you will have a player with MVP caliber skills that will have played in less than 60% of his team's games due in large part to what injuries so I look at a torn hamstring and I look at a torn pec and a left adductor strain and a midfoot sprain or strain. And yeah, you can call some of them freak. You could call all of it bad luck, but it's still under the category of injury. And to me, that makes him prone to injury based on history, not based on perception, based on reality. So I don't think that's, I don't think that's anything but analysis. And I'm not saying it with any sort of, prejudice bias or anything that's objectively analyzing Eloy Jimenez injury history let's listen to Rick Hahn who talked about how this is being perceived and received out there in the public caught wind of some lazy analysis that have put it on an injury prone or something like that on this player could be further from the truth in terms of the fact that he's missing significant time this year and last year, that's the extent that you could call the guy injury prone. The thing he made, he made a bad decision last year trying to make a play. This year, you know, again, trying to get to a level that he had barely accessed all year. That's more a guy, like you said, trying to do everything he can to help his team win, even if it's not perhaps the right decision at that time. That's not a guy that's injury prone. That, that's, that's just a, a moniker that, again, people try to besmirch a guy's ability with and uh, an unfair label to put on put on someone like that and you know maybe the whether they're just outing stuff told by them to others or what it's just it's it's unfair that's Rakan. that was before the game the other night before he was sharing with the the, the Sox beat about what the prognosis would be and the, and the future would hold for Aloy Jimenez Aloy Jimenez 
is as dynamic of a personality has come through that clubhouse in recent years, Bruce, as likable as they come. Looking at his injury past in no way besmirches him at all. Calling him prone to injury is not an insult. It doesn't have to be a pejorative term. It's a descriptor. It is factual. It is undeniable that injuries have contributed to limiting his potential of a guy who has MVP-like skills. That is the point here. Nobody's besmirching anybody. Well, two things I get out of it, David, and I think it's very well put on your part. And I understand the way that Rick has approached it because the the mentality for Eloy is so difficult to deal with, knowing that he's done everything he can and worked hard with the strength and conditioning people, with the trainers, with the doctors, with the coaching staff to be the best that he can be, and he still gets hurt, okay? So you can call it a misfortune, you can call it bad luck, or you can call it what it is, and that is what you said. He hasn't been available a lot of the time to the team, and and that is unfortunate, but the reality of the situation is what do you, what can you do about it, you know? What is there an answer to it? We can complain about it in the media. We can be upset for the White Sox uh, that they don't have this player. I think that as an organization, they've done everything they can to make this player a whole player. The reality of the situation for me is through no fault of his own or the organization, his body has a hard time holding up to the rigors of playing professional baseball. And I I don't think you can argue with it at this point. That doesn't mean he hasn't done all the work. That doesn't mean the organization hasn't done everything to keep him strong. They have. We live in a society where everybody wants to blame somebody or something for the reason. And the reality here is his body has just not been able to hold up no matter how hard or how, how disciplined he's been in his rehabilitation, in his strength and conditioning, in his approach. His approach is just fine. The work is fine. The team's approach is fine. He had right. the same problem with the Chicago Cubs right. in the minor leagues. So again, it is a structural situation for him, and he just has to stay mentally and as physically strong as he can and try to keep overcoming it because we know the talent is enormous, enormous. and the ability to be a, a great offensive player in this league is certainly there, and we've seen it. Nobody is pointing a finger. We are all shaking our heads. We are all disappointed in what has happened. We all see the enormous potential. The, the, the problem isn't with that. It's, it's how do you address it now, Bruce? How do you address it now? What changes can they make to adjust to this reality and how do they move on without him? Because they're going to be without him for the next several yeah. um, months, perhaps. And, you know, I think the end of the uh, beginning of the second half of the season is a likely return time for Aloy conservatively. Yeah, I think I think it's a likely return time. You know, I, I can't I can't climb into Eloy's body and see how he mends. I don't know that uh, they, they can go by what the doctor's prognosis is. But the, the, the reality of the situation is. You know, he's out two months, okay? Um, can he come back to being the player that he wants to be? We know he has the ability to hit the ball and hit it hard a, a lot and carry a team when he's at his peak. But again, 
these issues, you know, you're, you're going to come back, but you, we saw how he struggled last year coming back. He had a very good first week or 10 days coming back and then wasn't quite the player that he had been in the past. So, again, there is the physical part of this, David, mm-hmm. as important as the mental part of doing all this rehab again and again and how that impacts him. Uh, he, he is a driven player. He is, as you say, a uniquely fun and uh, loving player who people are just drawn to because of a beautiful personality. Uh, getting back to where he needs to be mentally and physically are going to be the challenge. Well put, Bruce. Life goes on for the White Sox and people step up, and one of those people has been Jake Berger, and he will join us next. And Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670. This- We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Talking baseball here, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. David Haw, Bruce Levine, stay tuned all day here on The Score. Steve Rosenblum follows us with Saturday Suckage, and then Two o'clock until 535, leading you up to Cubs pregame. We have the draft show here on the score. Draft coverage on the score presented by Amco Transmissions and Total Car Care. Call 1-800-GO-AMCO for the location nearest you. And you've got Mully. You've got Olin Krutz. You've got Big Anthony Heron. You've got Mark Grody from Hallis Hall. Wait until 2 o'clock to see what the Bears have done in this weekend's NFL draft. But right now, right now, we go out to our guest hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And that is where we find White Sox slugger and third baseman Jake Berger. Jake, welcome inside the clubhouse. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. How are things going for you? You are on fire when you are at home. I know that you may not want to talk about what a great park guaranteed rate field is to hit in because of the way it knocked down your fly ball the other night. Boy, that was something. How, how are things going for you, Jake, and why are you hitting so well in this ballpark? Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling really good and really comfortable. Um, getting to work with Frank every day and, um, you know, you know, sure up some mechanics that, um, you know, I didn't, didn't have a full grasp on last season um, has been huge. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm feeling good and, uh, you know, just really trying to stay inside the ball and drive the ball the other way. And um, eventually, you know, you, you kind of get to some balls and then pull them in the air. So um, I wish that one went out, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. You know, Jake, that, that's the interesting thing about um, guys that can hit the ball out of the park now and have the ability to use all fields. And, and Frank really teaches that a lot, doesn't he? I watched a lot when I was in uh, spring training watching you guys in the cages, and uh, he, he really preaches an awful lot of the fact that, hey, you have power, you have strength. Do not be afraid to use the opposite field and, and use that power. You will hit balls out. You will hit balls in the gap. You will be an effective hitter. How does Frank sell that to people, and, and how impactful has it been on you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he sells it just like you said. You know, it's like, hey, you got power, and, like, you know, that everybody knows it, you know. Um, you don't have to cheat to try and hit home runs. So um, might as well stay inside the ball and take your, your cheapies or your, your off-the-label type hits in the right field. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're perfectly on time, you know, you're going to pull balls. Um, so that's kind of how he preaches it. And I, I really have found um, 
it's it's really helped me a lot. Um, so, um, but yeah, I mean, it's he he preaches that to everybody, not just me, and um, it's been it's been huge. And um, you know, hopefully, um, you know, it's it warms up here and uh, we get get going. Jake, you have been pressed into duty because of Yohan Moncada's injury, and you have come through and been a nice surprise early in the season to people who might not have expected your contributions. And I just wonder, how would you describe the dynamic between, obviously, you're a young player trying to prove yourself at the major league level, and you are really uh, showing signs for people to believe in you, and you balance that individually with that success, and your team's struggling. There's no, there's no way around it. The White Sox are, are one of the more disappointing teams in baseball in the month of April, and so individually you're happy but as a team collectively your team's struggling how do you balance those two competing emotions yeah i mean look like uh, i'm a team first guy you know I, i'm always gonna think about the team first and um you know obviously frustrated and disappointed um you know it's we we want to keep keep rolling you know all you can do is put on the cleats the next morning and and go out there and compete um and, and give your 100 percent effort um you know, obviously you have personal success, but that's not the game, you know. Um, the, the game is to win, win baseball games, no matter you're 0 for 4 or 4 for 4, you know, you want, you want to win baseball games. So, um, obviously you, you can take um, the, some of the personal success and, um, you know, kind of analyze, okay, what was I doing? What's my routine? Um, how, are, how are guys pitching me? Um, and, you know, you, you dive into that. Um, so, you can continue that throughout the entire season. Um, but obviously I'm, I'm a team first guy and, you know, we, we win and lose as a team. Um, you know, it's nobody's pointing fingers. Um, you know, we, we win and lose as a team and um, that's, that's how we're going to take it. And uh, all you can do is compete and give your hundred percent effort every day. Jake Berger, our guest on inside the clubhouse, David Hall, Bruce Levine on inside the clubhouse every Saturday, 52 weeks out of the year talking baseball on the score. And, Jake, uh, how can you be a an asset and a, an assistance to your your injured teammate Eloy Jimenez, knowing the way that you've had to persevere through some extremely challenging uh, injuries to your career and how you've you've made it out of this end right now? How, how can you be there for him and and how do you know better than most of what the psychological impact is? Yeah, yeah, we uh, we actually had a conversation um, in spring training in the hot tub uh, this year just about uh, my injury, and he's gone through some injuries as well, um, and just kind of how to stay, like, mentally present and, um, you know, make sure you're taking care of business all, at all times. Um, you know, it's uh, nobody nobody realizes the psychological factors that um, injuries bring on. You know, obviously you have the physical ailment and, um, you know, the pain there, but uh, the, the psychological side is way more important. Um, and if you figure out the psychological side, then the, the physical side will tend to get, get better quicker. Um, and so we've, we've had multiple conversations of just kind of how to, like, stay present, and, you know, whether it's meditation or uh, reading books or anything like that, you know, just kind of getting outside of the phone, um, outside of video games and just kind of, you know, take it all in and uh, analyze how you're feeling um, on a daily basis. I think that's the that's the biggest way to uh, make sure you're, you're you're taking care of your mentals uh, when you're going through something like that. So, uh, but we're in we're in close contact and uh, we play video games and stuff together. So uh, we're we're always chatting um, and you know I like to help in any way I can. 
All right, Jake, uh, I know that you are enjoying yourself at third base, and I know you're hitting well, but i got to ask you this. When Yohan Mankata comes back, I still remember the Instagram video of you turning uh, to and working on your pivot at second base, and I do have to ask you if you have been still working on playing second base and if that's a possibility in your mind when Mankata comes back. So, uh, yeah, I I work on it when uh, I'm not starting at third base. you know, it's, it's always good to just have that in your back pocket. But, um, you know, I, I always say, like, wherever they need me, I'll, I'll play. Um, you know, whether whether that's on the mound, behind the plate, you know, wherever it is, like, I want to help this team win. So, um, you know, wherever wherever they want to see me at or, or give me an opportunity at, you know, it's it's all gravy to me. You know, I'm, I'm just enjoying the game and um, just having as much fun and competing as much as I can. So, um, you know. I don't have an answer for that, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Final question from me, and I guess it's more of a, a commentary on my observation and your feelings about it. Nobody seems to be having more fun or uh, enjoying the moment than you. Does that come from the fact that you did have to come back from injuries, that it, this has been a, a real challenge and uh, and you're, you're just expressing the joy of being a major league player on a daily basis and staying in the moment? Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I mean, there's multiple days where I reflect on uh, the three years I was hurt and just kind of like uh, the, the mental state I was in, just sitting on the couch watching my buddies compete. Um, and so, you know, everything uh, from here on out is just, it's fun, man. Like there's, there's nothing other than that. There's no other words. Just, uh, I, I just love competing and having fun and, um, I'm definitely blessed and lucky with uh, how the White Sox, you know, dealt with me during during my injury, and um, you know them them giving me these opportunities. It's just been it's it's a blessing. So uh, that's kind of how I wake up every single morning. You know, it doesn't matter if I go over four with four errors the night before or four for four with three top ten plays. You know, I'm I'm going to be the same guy every single day, and I'm going to have fun and have fun competing. And, Jake, just to close the loop on the loudest fly ball out that we've seen or heard this week or this season, 105.9 miles per hour exit velocity, 34-degree uh, launch angle, and a projected distance of 403 feet was an out. What was your immediate reaction when you saw the win? Because I think there were also metrics saying in 29 to 30 ballparks, that would have been a home run, but not in this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> all my buddies uh, were texting me. Uh, that, that that tweet about that and um, you know obviously it's baseball you know you, you you have some days where the ball's flying out and you you don't hit it as well and it, it still goes out and um, some days you hit it really hard and it doesn't so um, I, I remember Ben Attendee looked at me um, and he's like dude I, I thought that was way gone um, and, and then he catches it on the warning track and you know it's part of baseball um, and then I have a similar ball the, the next day with a little lower launch angle and it goes out, you know, and I, I thought that was going to get caught too. <laughs> and I was, I was going to be really frustrated then, but uh, you know, it's, that's part of baseball and you just got to kind of roll with the punches and uh, you know, just expect that it'll, uh, it'll, it'll come around uh, when, when it's due. Keep it up, Jake. Great to talk to you. Thanks for joining us this morning. Best of luck. Thank you so much. Jake Berger, White Sox third baseman, soon to be second baseman maybe, Bruce, and overall slugger joining us here on Inside the Clubhouse. Fine young man, the kind of guy that you correctly point out, Bruce, he plays with the joy of the game because he almost lost it, and he has been through a lot to get here and overcome many injuries.
Yeah, there was a nice story by John Greenberg in the Athletic uh, a week or so ago about Jake and uh, him uh, picking up tennis. We didn't have a chance to get to it. His his mother was a championship uh, tennis player, and how that's helped him as well. But uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, a really nice story in a very difficult time for the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, they got to get things going. They are back at it today against the Angels. Vince Velasquez against uh, Jose Suarez. And the Cubs later tonight on the score in Milwaukee, Justin Steele against Eric Lauer, Bruce. These are two teams struggling mightily. The Cubs, as you said, 10 out of 12 losses. And the White Sox, 10 of the last 11. They need to get things going in the right direction. We have a lot of people to thank, David. Uh, people can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine, also on our website, 670thescore.com. Uh, take it away, my friend. It was a fun show. Yes, Cesar, thank you very much for keeping us going uh, and, and on the, in the right direction. Joe Madden joined us this morning. Also, a big thank you to Alfonso Rivas, the Cub first baseman who got on the phone in Milwaukee. Talk about his uh, good start. Jake Berger, finally, the last interview you just heard, the White Sox third baseman. And uh, it's going to be a busy day. So keep it right here on the score. Steve Rosenblum is next. And then 2 to 5.35. The draft show. The Bears are starting to uh, resume the draft within minutes. Mike Mulligan, Mully with Olin Krutz, Anthony Heron, and Mark Grody, and maybe Brad Biggs from Hallis Hall. Draft coverage on the score presented by Amco Transmissions and Total Car Care. Also, listen, all day Monday, you have a chance to win tickets to the Cubs White Sox. On Wednesday, we are the station to give you tickets to go watch the uh, Crosstown Classic. Bruce, have a great week. Thanks for everything you did in lining this up. And thank you most of all out there, people, for listening. Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.